on the line waiting for Black Foodie. Um, all right, so if you had a, a cooking line and you had to scale it up, talk to me. What are you doing? Cooking line? Yeah, exactly. You, you had your own Black Foodie. You had Owen Foodie. Owen Foodie, man. Yeah. What would I do? Mm-hmm. In terms of like starting it or if I just take Scaling it? it. Scaling it. Scaling it. You know, business models we're talking. So first I had to like look at how many people I have who follow me, right? Okay. It's not like follow, it's not like maybe IG followers. I have to look, okay, how many people are my email list? Okay. So if I'm in my email list and I am Black Foodie, Mm -hmm. one idea that I'm thinking about right now is starting like an exclusive club type of show, right? Mm. And uh, what I would do is I would reach out to those people who want to learn about making black food, right? And I'll mm-hmm. have, and I have weekly masterminds. I'd say, okay, these are my email lists I have right now. Uh, make a subscription out of it where mm-hmm. you pay $35 a month to learn. From- $35 a month? Oh, guy, no, you're um, kidding me. Guy, 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 listen, like this, this, <clears throat> this is premium shit. This is premium. $35 right? a month, more than Netflix. Amazon together. Guy, you have to account for this, right? If you're making, if you're prepping your food every time and you're showing them, this is how you do it. This is what's going on. That's, Mm -hmm. that's labor right there. And then you have to buy the food. You got to like do the film work. So like anything less than 10, you know, because the the thing with the Netflix, they have good infrastructure where they've already accounted for everything where Mm -hmm. uh, for the individual person, per cost per person will probably be like $2 because they have like scale. Um, what's that? What's that called? They have the right cost structure to be able to charge 10 bucks. But if I'm trying to scale it right now, if I have like weekly or weekly cooking classes and I have 500, 600 people watching from around the world. And let's say if you invite someone to say, Hey, come join me in this next cooking class, you'll get, uh, your first three months at half off. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people half keep it. off, bro. As That's I said, customer acquisition process. Okay. All right. All right. I, of course it's very not like polished what I'm saying, but like, uh, I, I just want you, I just want to paint you the picture of like, paint, paint my, picture, yeah. I'm painting the picture. This is the, this is the overview of what I'm trying to do. All right. So that's like one side of the business. Right. Um, so far, that's what I got. Course, you can't have like international travel where you can go around the world and actually like do events mm-hmm. as we were speaking about. Mm-hmm. I, I think that actually uh, builds a brand uh, voice mm-hmm. and you actually build mindshare into like actually becoming like a Guy Fieri for like the black space. You feel me? Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so far, that's what I would do. And I don't want to like take on like a lot of projects if I'm editing and trying to do a lot of different things, but that's uh-huh. one thing I would do for sure. Okay. What would, you, what would you do? What are you thinking? All right, all right. I, I was pretty good. I was pretty good. All right. So, hey, Eden, how you doing? Oh, she's she actually logged on. She's on. Yeah, can you hear us? Can you hear me? She's connecting. Eden, hey. are you here? Now I hear you guys. Hey, how are you? Hey. Hey, Eden, how's it going? Good. Is it okay? So I don't. I... Go ahead. This or no? Oh, your camera is upside down. Yeah, it's sideways. There you go. Okay. There. Okay. 
cool, cool. Sorry, I, put, I put my phone on my laptop and whoops <laughs> i'm gonna just hold it okay it's sorry all good guys no worries no worries um i legit look like a real scrub i i forgot i'm so sorry i really forgot <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you look you look wonderful. You look fine, you know. Don't don't worry about it. Listen, it's Corona, so like your hairdresser is probably closed. Listen, my lineup right now. Listen, thank God <laughs> I'm on the Mac camera. We're all wolving. It's all wolving season right here. Like no yeah. one out here is looking good. And exactly. the funny thing is, we all got to be on Zoom for things to chat with people. Yeah, well, this is my yeah, first yeah. time uh, sort of dressing up in like uh, two weeks. So thank you guys for. Uh, uh, Motivating me to put conditioner in my hair. <laughs> no problem, no problem. Um, so right, so right now we're, we're chopping it up um, around like the black foodie like business, you know, in terms of like um, if we were to hypothetically have our own black foodie business, how would we go about doing it, and um, how would we scale the business up and like become make it a multi-million dollar business? Yeah, you know? we, we were just chopping it up and. Uh, you yeah. know, before we even begin, I just want to introduce Eden to the show. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hello and welcome. And this is the Hustle Over Everything podcast. Uh, today's a special day. As usual, we have Eden Hagos, uh, the founder of Black Foodie. Eden is the founder of Black Foodie. And what it is, it's an online platform to help spotlight the best of African, Caribbean, and Southern cuisine from all around the world. Her mission is to help people to truly experience the rich culture of food and communal process that comes from the African diaspora. Eden began Black Foodie as a lively online platform that spotlighted African, Caribbean, and American Southern cuisine, but has since branched out to include jam-packed events and festivals. So Eden, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. This has been long overdue. Thanks for having I want, me. I just want to clarify, is it Eden, is it Aiden? Please. It's a. Uh, it's Eden, or ah. Eden. whatever oh, you it's, want. It's Eden either. or Eden. Okay. Eden okay. Is the Ethiopian way of saying it. Eden is the way, you know, the English way of saying it. But I really don't feel a type of way. But I'm used to saying Eden, so I I go back and forth. Okay, because so we were doing our research, and on um on one video of Southwestern Ontario, you said Eden, and I remember actually meeting you a while back, at um I a fresh event. Yes, yes, yes. At the um the Fresh Books How How I Make a Living. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay, yes. Yes, 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 okay. yes indeed. Yes, Dope. indeed. And and I Dude, came up to you and I was like, Eden, Eden, I was like, oh, shit, so I fucked up. Damn. No, it's both. I've given up in choosing one because I I will confuse myself. I'm like, I'm Eden one day, I'm Eden another day. Both are the same thing. Mm. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So let's jump right into it. Yeah. Uh, you know, what we wanted to do was just like bring you on the show to really talk about um, what you've built so far. And it's it's something that has totally taken the culture by storm, especially in Toronto. Uh, you're really well known around the Black community and what you're doing to really put a spotlight into something that's ours, right? I feel like, you know, this side of the space of food has never really been you know, there's no one really doing it to really bring a light to it and to showcase the people who are trying to, you know, create a great black food experience. And uh, you're definitely a pioneer in the space. So we really wanted to talk to you about your journey up to now, uh, from the beginning, um, from starting it out and creating content and building it into a business. 
I wish you do right now full-time, right? Yep. It's like a full-time thing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, your next steps, your vision for what you want to do and, uh, you know, what keeps you going on every day just to like create this black foodie, uh, digital brand that you're building right now. Um, well, thank you, man. You guys are just blessing me with uh, a lot of positive words. I appreciate it. But mm-hmm. essentially, um, with uh, Black Foodie, it's all about exploring Black food culture. And um, when I began, um, to be honest, I, I didn't really know exactly how I was going to monetize this passion of mine. Mm-hmm. And so I made a lot of mistakes. But thankfully, with age comes wisdom. And with lots of mistakes comes wisdom. <laughs> so that's, that's the only way you can go up. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I found that I think I was fulfilling this like need um, that other folks would say is niche, but it's not really niche. There's, you know, 37 million black folks in America and at least mm-hmm. a million in Canada. So we're not that niche. There's so many different ways of being black mm-hmm. and we all eat. And we all have like this amazing food that comes from our cultural backgrounds. So Black Foodie is part of showcasing this and creating community. And um, as consumers, we have buying power. So my job is not just to be creative, but also to figure out how to communicate um, the the power of us as consumers and as a whole and as trend setters um, to brands. So that's, that's basically what I do. Like, I, I love the creative aspect, but a lot of the time I'm also emailing people and I'm calling people and I'm pitching people um, to showcase uh, what Black Foodie can do for them. Okay. So mm-hmm. before, before we jump into the food, right? Like, what mm-hmm. were you doing really before uh, becoming the Black Foodie that we know today? Uh, what was your career path towards and like, you know, after school, what were you doing and uh, leading up to Black Foodie? Uh, great question. So, so many things. Um, I uh, studied sociology and after graduating, I actually didn't know what to do. I struggled. Um, and then I got accepted into a fellowship program in um, Toronto and I came back to the city and that's where I kind of began with Black Foodie. But um, while it hadn't grown into a business yet, I had lots of side jobs. I worked in the nonprofit space, man, I had a million gigs. I made websites. I did whatever I could to um, pursue my passion and pay my bills at the same time. But it all kind of like was in the, you know, social media, digital marketing, um, or like had to do with food in some way. Some of it didn't, but the ones I enjoyed did. You give like an example of like what those things were like that I that involve food. Yeah, sure. So I worked for um, a nonprofit in uh, Regent Park, mm-hmm. and I would um, help immigrant women and like newcomer women um, get training in how to become caterers. And then we'd have like a weekly market. And so my job was to run the market and to run this program for newcomers who, um, women who were interested in catering or maybe starting their own business. Nice. Yeah. And how did Black Foodie, I know it's a little little bit of a generic question at this point, but it's for our listeners. How did you start with Black Foodie? Yeah, because like, you know, like I think like the, the genesis of it, it was like that experience you had into like the, in that one restaurant where, you know, you yes. went for the birthday 
I think that's like where it all started for you. Like it, it really, there was like a big light that popped in your head and you're like, you know what? We got to create our own thing. So like, tell us that story of that, that day that, you know, everything all, you know, where it all happened. Mm. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to go a little bit backtrack a bit. So it's not, so this interest in food happened way before that because my family had owned an Ethiopian restaurant in my hometown and my grandmother had a business um, selling injera. So I, I was curious, but I also had this like shame around eating African food, you know, and uh, it's crazy now because I'm like, I love African food. I can't believe I thought like this. But like a lot of, I think, people in North America, like you don't want to be different when you're Black, you want to fit in. So um, I didn't eat out at African and Caribbean restaurants. Um, and then I went to go celebrate my birthday with a group of my friends who were mostly, they were all Black women um, and mostly East African women. Um, and uh, the restaurant um, just treated us horribly, they treated us like we didn't belong there. And um, it, it, I won't get into it, but essentially it was bad. <laughs> and it was clear that we needed to leave. And it was clear that this, the assumptions they were making was because we were Black women and um, it was just super disrespectful and, in my opinion, racist. Mm -hmm. um, and so um. I was really upset about that. So I was like, why? One, it was, it's embarrassing and upsetting. It was my birthday. So it was like all those things. But then also I was uh. upset at myself because, yeah. you know, I was going into this place and I never thought to go into a Black-owned restaurant. And it made me like, you know, reflect over the assumptions that I had and the internalized prejudices that I had around our food and around our culture. So um, that's what kind of sparked me into action to create a community um, for folks to, you know, gain interest in the food that um, uh, comes from their background, but also supporting Black-owned restaurants and also um, showing that we have power. Like, you can't treat us whack and think that's okay. Mm -hmm. You can't be racist and think we won't take our dollars elsewhere because exactly. we have power. So yeah. that's, you know, part of what sparked Black Foodie. 100%. But Black Foodie isn't just a response to racism from white folks. That's For not sure. what we're centered on. You know, it's, it's also, we've got great things and, um, you know, creating a community around that. It's Our funny. Own table, an ecosystem. Yeah. Oh, word, Alex, mm -hmm. for sure. It's funny that you say that, um, you know, like you're embarrassed about like your own cultural food and everything. I, I remember I had a similar experience too back in elementary school. Uh, nice. You know, we had just moved from Kenya at that point and after lunch, my mom used to pack me like, you know, all this, uh, you know, food that she would make like that's Kenyan, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, all the cabbage, the ugali, the, you know, all these like foods that would make and should pack it for me in like a hot flask. So when I show up to school, I'm seeing all these kids bringing like all these sandwiches, like all these snackables and whatever. And of course you want to fit <laughs> in, right? And uh, I, I had a similar experience, like where like I was embarrassed to like, you know, eat that food. And I remember even talking to uh, my Indian friend, she'll be bringing her own food from like, it's like Indian, there's like all this flavor in it. And like when she opened it, there's like this aroma that just goes all around the room, right? And that she was embarrassed to like eat her food. So when she was eating, like she's covering up her food just because of that embarrassment. So I'm curious to see if like, if it's something that exists like with all cultures that, um, you know, that share that same feeling that, you know, you and I did at the time. 
I've heard it from so many people um, who just feel different, whether they're black or not, you know, maybe they're Asian or maybe they're Eastern European or something like that. And just whatever they're bringing to lunch or to the workplace is different. Yes. Um, but I, I do feel like right now, uh, you know, attitudes toward food has changed where mm-hmm. people are, you know, more willing to try foods outside of their culture. People are buying, you know, kimchi in stores that are not Korean. You know, they're mm-hmm. doing all these things. Um, but I don't know if those consumers are being treated well when they go out to eat or buy brands all the mm-hmm. time, you know, like, um, like you can eat African food and still treat Africans poorly. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, that's something that, yeah. So I, I, I do try to like bring up those subjects on Black Foodie. But I, I think it's amazing that people are a bit more open-minded now when it comes to food and and learning about how foods from different cultures are are superfoods and incredibly good for you and super flavorful, you know? Absolutely. 100%. Um, so you start Black Foodie off um, after that experience and after realizing the heritage you have and the experience you have, um, to walk us through what happens from then on, you know? Then you start... I guess, stumbling to success in different areas. Like, I'm curious to know, like, what was that journey like? Um, it was a lot of, like, ups and downs, I guess, but pretty fun a lot of the time because it's a fun thing. Like, you know, it's food and it's, um, it's, it's culture and there's a lot of storytelling involved. So that part was always uh, pretty fun for me. The negotiating mm. part and the business side was not always fun, but, now I get, and now it's fun for me. Like it drives me. I'm like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, I can earn more. I can use this to invest in this or I can create a new product or whatever. Like it, it, it fuels me now. Um, yes. And I'm glad that I've had that shift now. Um, but I'm sorry, your, your question was like, I was curious about like, like the starting point. So for instance, um, do you start okay. off with events? Do you start off with the blog? Um, what oh, yeah. was like the, the first parts that got the ball rolling for you? So I started off with the, uh, the blog and attending events. So I went to a bunch of like different food festivals around North America. I got to mm-hmm. travel a bit and then I would just connect with like chefs in different areas. Like I, um, went to New Orleans for a music festival and like culture festival and then got to meet like a lot of like top black chefs mm-hmm. who supported nice. me. And then I go to DC and get involved there and then go to Atlanta and do things there and then go to Montreal and like connect with different people who had a, an audience of their own and they helped kind of amplify um, Black Foodie. And that's how I started to create a, a community online. And now it's, it's over 50,000 people across social media. But when it comes to the amount of people we reach, it's a lot bigger than that because I think... Um, People share, you know what I mean? Like they, mm-hmm. they share the posts, they share the articles. And I think, um, you know, folks are really curious right now. Like food unlocks a lot um, about you, about your culture, about your history. And so I'm seeing this, you know, uh, this trend now to move back into the kitchen, you know? Definitely, definitely. Were, yeah. were you paying for these flights yourself? And this like going there out of sheer will? Like what, how, what was that package like? Yeah, no, I, I was paying for it myself at the beginning. Um, so uh, shout out to Spirit Airlines. <laughs> but now, but now you're covered. Now you're like now the flights are covered for you. 
<laughs> not all the time. I mean, now things are different with, you know, mm-hmm. this crisis, but yeah, yeah like recently I, I started working now with tourism boards mm-hmm. because food is such a big part of travel. And that's probably, that was like the most exciting thing. It is kind of disappointing now because, you know, I have to pivot, but once this is over, I look forward to traveling again. So like to answer your question, no, it was not covered at the beginning. I just am a budget traveler. And also on the Canada side, my sister worked for an airline. So I had a hookup. So, um, you know, you got to use the resources that you have. (laughs) Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah, but I've always been like, you know, not ashamed to take a mega bus or take a a Spirit Airlines or French, you know, like different Mm. budget airlines um in order to travel where i want to go and fortunately i have a huge family so and um i went to school in michigan so i had a lot of friends in different parts of the u.s and in canada and stuff you you went to school in michigan yeah i did i went to school in uh west michigan and then i ended up transferring to a university in what school is that in toronto i was called calvin college small like private christian college very random. <laughs> That's what? how I ended up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. What happened? Like, what? Like, I mean, from high school, what made you go to Christian college? Um. So my uh, family actually put us in like a like a private religious school, a Christian school. So you know when you have like recruiters mm-hmm. in yeah. high school, um, yeah. maybe you have like you know University of Waterloo or whatever come to your school and speak to you. Yeah. For me, it was Christian colleges in the U.S. Mm-hmm. The recruiters would come, and we lived on a border city, Windsor, um, Ontario. So a oh, lot I know. of students. Would go I'm there. from Sarnia, so like I know, I know how that is. Oh, oh, you're from Sarnia. Yeah. Okay, so you know exactly when you're uh, close to a border, it's not you know big deal. Yeah, they'd come. They'd also come to us and like talk to us about different schools, like Oakland, uh, uh, Central Michigan. I remember, like all these different oh, universities. All these different yeah. universities came. I was actually gonna go to Windsor. To be honest, really? yeah, I was actually going to come to Windsor for their business program. But then last minute, like I really started like my other business. So I was just like, you know what? I'm not really going to meet the people like I really want to meet until I move to Toronto. So that's why mm. I decided to come to Ryerson. So what was that move for you? Like deciding from leaving Calvin to come to York and how long did it take you once you got there till you left? Um, oh, man. I, it took me one extra year because I transferred. It was a Christian college, so there's a lot of classes that didn't, you know, Fair. didn't transfer over, like theology mm-hmm. and whatever, to my major um, mm-hmm. that I had to take. But I really loved the experience of being. I'm I'm so happy that I did live in Michigan for a little while because um, of the friends that I met and the experiences that I had there. Um, and I actually got to work with the tourism board there to come back to Grand Rapids. So it was a really dope like adventure to. Mm-hmm. to show where I used to live and all the food there. But in terms of York, York was crazy. It was so huge. There were so many East Africans. As soon as I stepped up on campus, I was used to saying hi to each black student because mm-hmm. we knew each other in yes. that school. That's even like Ryerson, you know, like yeah, you walk yeah, around, it's yeah. like, you know, every black person who's like walking around yeah. and like, it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, yeah. Especially in the Ted Rogers building too. 100%. Oh, yeah. Cause it, there's, a, there's a small amount. There is. I used to come to the conferences at Ryerson. You had like good like black student conferences back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was surprised actually, like that there wasn't a lot of black students who went to Ryerson. Yeah. Uh, you know, people who just use the resources. <laughs> no, I, 
I was one of them. I would take the bus, come down on the you know, on the TTC just so I could. But my friends went to Ryerson, so I'd, I'd go and hang out there. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, yo, what's it like working with the tourism board? Mm-hmm. Like, how does that even, like, come to life? Like, I'm curious. Like, working with a brand, I guess, makes a lot more sense. You just send an email out, and then they get back to you. It's usually a person. Like, what's the yeah. usual process? Is it different than working with the brand? Like, how does that work? Not so much. Like the pitching was the same. I've worked with the cup, like in terms of tourism, uh, recently I, I worked with actually my Southwestern Ontario. So mm, I got to showcase, you know, yeah, like Windsor and stuff. And then I work with Jamaica tourism board. Um, I worked with Ethiopian airlines, um, like we're collaborated with Ethiopian airlines. Um, some, some of it is relationship building. Um, like, you, you know, you go to events and you meet people, but the other things were just pitching online and saying, hey, you know, like communicating what black travelers are interested in, showing, showcasing what my um, numbers are in terms of like my demographics, mm-hmm. where they're located, you know, where they're most likely to travel and their buying power. And then, you know, um, going ahead and, you know, sending in my rates and so far, it worked well. It was really awesome. It was actually pretty fun to go and explore. And like, um, all of the things I've done in tourism so far have been really closely related to my passions or my, my background, which also is a passion of mine. So it, it, mm-hmm. it was a really nice um, fit, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited for once this is over to do more because like, I would love to do things outside of East Africa and outside of North America, like in the Caribbean, because, um, our food is amazing and like, you know, it'd be amazing to showcase, you know, the backstory behind of a lot of the dishes that we love and yeah. the places you can go to on these islands. Definitely. The backstory behind food is so interesting. Like I'm Jamaican, for instance, and learning that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Canadians actually gave a lot of the codfish that was used for Atkins oh, sawfish was like mind blowing to me, you know, or learning that the Aki actually comes from Ghana and like the history behind Aki and Sawfish is just, you know, mind blowing. A lot of people don't know that. And like the history behind it usually it can uh, bring like a rooting feeling to a lot of people. So it's definitely um, valuable, you know. It, it is, yeah. And people like, I mean, how many of you guys, I don't know about you, but even before I started Black Foodie, like, one of the things I'd be most excited to do in a new city is like go out to eat and try whatever dish they're known for. You know, in Chicago, it's deep dish pizza and Atlanta, I want soul food or wherever. Like I mm. would look online to find these places. And I think people still do that now. Um, you know, it's a big part of like where they want to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really traveled much to be honest with you, but that is like one of the things that makes like, I really want to do when I start traveling a lot more. Uh, mm-hmm. Now that I'm done school and uh, traveling around the world and just trying different foods and seeing, I think that's how you can really get to know the culture. You learn a lot about a culture by trying different foods. So um, definitely the States has a lot of culture. Like what places would you recommend for someone who's traveling around the States and, you know, where have you seen that has like the most, the food that has like, that carries a lot of culture in that particular state? Um, oh, that's a hard one. I feel like New Orleans, it's been a while since I've been back to New Orleans, but um, I've, I've been three times so far and each time like the food got better and it really is more flavorful. Like it really is like, 
I, I think I only had like one bad meal, you know, like everything was top notch and just the culture and the music outside and like um, the, the welcome that you received there. I definitely say New Orleans, mm -hmm. even though I know everybody would say it, I'm, I'm going to agree with them. And then um, Washington, D.C. Like Washington. Washington, okay. D.C. because I'm East African and like that's basically like it's little Eritrea and little Ethiopia. Yeah. So you can get like a full range of Ethiopian food and like a full range of experiences around East African food. And there is such a big African community, West African community there too. So there's a lot of places you can explore. I love Washington, D.C. Okay. Um, one thing before like, you know, coming into the space and creating the whole Black Foodie brand, were there any other Black women who had, who were doing or trying to do something similar uh, like you? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if it was the same way that I did it, like, online, digital, but, like, there were women in food, Black women in food that were doing amazing things well before I started Black Foodie. People who wrote books on the history, um, people who... Um, had restaurants um oh my gosh I'm forgetting her name B Smith who recently passed away she had mm -hmm. several restaurants like she was like she was Martha Stewart before Martha Stewart and mm -hmm. she was an African-American woman so there there were definitely a lot of trailblazers I think um the difference uh when I came in is that I was coming in from from Canada so I had this but like I spent so much time in the U.S. so I had this real connection to showcasing global, you know, black food culture and like mm -hmm. being like, oh, this is dope in the UK. And like, actually this is happening in Toronto and Toronto has um, folks from everywhere from around the world and some awesome black restaurants. So I think I was able to add a bit of like um, the diaspora piece, but there are other people. There are um, so many other great people in this space um, and they're needed because it is a big space. It's not just like there should be one player in the game, you know? Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Yeah. And uh, one thing, like, I also, like, wanted to know, like, you know, as you were starting building, like, the, the Black foodie experience and the brand, what are some challenges that you experienced uh, building it? And did you start alone or did you have, like, a team around you who was helping you create the content uh, to bring it out into the world? Um, so... I started alone, but I had lots of help. And so people would come in and do favors for me. Mm -hmm. And then leave, you know, cause it wasn't their necessarily their passion. It's just, they, you know, wanted to support me. So they would help me out. So like my friend who was a photographer would help me and she helped me, you know, build my first website. And then I had, um, you know, another person who was a videographer who helped me shoot. So yeah, they, they were all part of like an extended team. And then um, like a year in, um, two really dope people from Toronto, um, maybe no, a year and a half or two years in, they started helping me and they became a part of like the team and they're who I check in with now. And, um, you know, and because I am still like, in, I feel like I'm still in startup phase. Like I don't have any full-time employees yet. Um, so these are people who just do it for the passion and like, you know, they get a percentage, uh, you know, mm. certain things, but like, it's, I'm lucky to have found people who are just like in it for the passion. And now I'm starting to grow where I'm like, okay, um, 
maybe I'll get to the stage where I can do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's so, like Al and I are like, we're also like in the same space, right? We're trying to create a lot of content for the entrepreneurship space and uh, bringing that, that, uh, what we see out in the world, like what we really think being an entrepreneur, being a creator is, is we're really trying to sh- showcase a lot on like the 99% and not like just like the 1% who are like super, super successful, like where you see that type of content everywhere. I think there's yeah. a lot of people who are doing great things uh, who might not even get like that type of shine uh, just because yeah. they're not like big, but like they're doing something cool, like something that hasn't exploded yet. So we really want to just put a, a light on those type of people. Um, so like, let's Thanks. talk about, yeah, yeah, for I appreciate sure. Being one of those people. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and I've seen you grind, you know, I, you know, we met at, uh, impact kitchen. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, was that the, I think that was the first time we met, eh? What? That's not no, the no. first time we met? <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I think we met, like we met, but like, that's actually oh. time we actually chatted for like an hour or two. Oh and, yes. Yeah. That is true. I love impact kitchen. That's been a while. Um, but yeah, no, it is. And I always appreciated your hustle. The sneaker deck, the the wait, did I say it correctly? Yeah, yeah. Sneaker yeah. deck, sneaker, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like the the projects you were showing me, like about drop shipping. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to take a Facebook ads class with you. Like, yeah. You know, Ale- Alex is oh actually like a master. He he is like he Al, just just tell her about what you do, man. Oh yeah, let me, yo, fill yeah. me in. This fill is the, you're, I you're what? you were giving me LinkedIn. He was giving me LinkedIn tips at the uh, the, at event. the event. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, Facebook ads is my is my shit. It's my playground. Uh, I spent over six figures in Facebook ads. Um, you know, on a day to day basis, what I'm doing. You know, um, building businesses over Facebook and Instagram. You know, um, from creating them, from creating the copy, the content, the imagery to actually writing the copy and um, do it, running the ads in the back end, optimizing the campaigns, the whole nine, you know, from e-commerce to uh, publishing. Facebook yeah. ads is my shit. And in so, everything yeah, I know, I, didn't I, know I, that. I learned from Alex. Yeah. What? Yeah. I might have some clients for you, Alex. <laughs> awesome. You can talk, you can talk after. You can talk after. No, good. I'm going to hit you up after. I know some mm-hmm. folks who want to learn. So let's yeah. go. Oh, People listening right now is the time to get into Facebook ads. You know, with COVID nineteen going crazy, um, a lot of ads are not going to market because people can't advertise. Um, their business is not running, right? So they can't. Yeah. Advertise There's no competition. Off. There's less competition, exactly. Yeah. So, so the floors are really lower. If you don't know, Facebook oper- operates on the floor. So now that there's less people in it, there's less mm-hmm. bids, more money to be made. So, um, if you're looking to get in, now's the time, guys. Wait, can you clarify that for me? Are you saying like businesses, for example, like let's say a restaurant that's mm-hmm. a dine-in restaurant, mm-hmm. they're not mm-hmm. offering takeout, they're closed for right now. Mm-hmm. And all of those competitors, like all of the folks in their lane are, are out. Mm-hmm. The takeout restaurants have a better chance of putting up an ad now because less restaurants are in the game? Exactly, exactly. Okay. You know, just like a bid, like if you think about like bidding on art, right? If there's only one yeah. person bidding and he says, hey, bid is a dollar and he's like all right it's a dollar but if someone's trying to come in and say okay i'll pay two dollars to get closer to that person okay now it's two bucks 
Exactly. And the prices go higher and higher and higher, right? Mm-hmm. So now that there's less competition, there's a lot more money to be made by advertising at a cheaper rate. You know, so right now is the time to advertise and get the messaging out because it's a rule of seven, right? It takes seven times to get an image or um, piece of content stuck in someone's head, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you can get that out quicker, there's a higher chance of you making that sale. Al, right now, like the ad space is kind of like how it was like a couple of years back when Facebook, there's really, you can put anything on Facebook and you actually have higher conversion rates. And now uh-huh. there's like, you know, right now, like 2020 and beyond, it's going to be even tougher because everyone's advertising through Facebook. Mm-hmm. Know, so yep, yep, interesting yep. see i didn't even consider that i've been like trying to you know obviously like pitch brands and and uh what i've been hearing is like you know like traditional ads um like they cannot produce it right now because they can't mm-hmm. get a production team together they can't mm-hmm. shoot a commercial you know the same way that they would have in the past so mm-hmm. now is the time to work with content creators because they are already efficient. They already know how to do everything like on their own or with a small team um, mm-hmm. and can produce things quickly mm-hmm. and have a built-in audience, you know? So interesting. I didn't think about it as someone like who's going to purchase ads for myself because I have merchandise online and things like that mm-hmm. and digital products I'm going to release. So thank you for that tip. My pleasure. My pleasure. But yeah. Um, so let's dive, since we're already talking about Facebook ads and business, let's talk, dive deeper into your business. Yeah. So like for someone look watching, um, what, what are some of the higher operating costs that come with running a business like yours? Yeah. Honestly, like, I feel like if you're in the, I fit a lot of different lanes. Like I, don't like to call myself a food blogger, like a create content online. I, I think it's mm-hmm. a little bit different than the traditional food blogger, but it is what it is. Like I have recipes and content online and people can go and um, can find it. Um, mm-hmm. And so like you have like, you know, obviously like fees for um, like running your website for um, maybe like a MailChimp or like different like online services, but mm-hmm. it's not like, it's not, it's not too high. It's not too high. Not too high, yeah. Especially so, if you can manage it well, you know. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome, you know. For um, anyone looking to start a business right now, getting into this kind of space doesn't have high overhead, so you can get into it as long as you're consistent on a day-to-day basis. Um, building your community, building your team, building um, an ecosystem for uh, value, you can build something uh, that's worthy of are you gonna say Owen? no i was just gonna say it's like you can scale it like super quickly quick especially if you it's something I people love to like take in the one thing i'd say though is like if you are going to be somebody who's creating content around food time is money and it takes ah. time you know like and also skills cost money and time uh-huh. to uh, develop so i mean if you have no I would say like if you if you want to get into the food media space and like creating content online space you have to have some passion behind it because it's not going to lead to money right away and if you're only in it for money then you probably won't create something valuable that people would be interested in you know so what are some skills that you know you mentioned skills which i found very interesting well like what are those skills that 
um, you think that are needed to really build like a content driven business? I feel like communication, you need to be um, creative. Some of these are soft skills. Like, you know, I don't know. Some of these things, I think you just, you got to have it or you don't. And then Mm -hmm. others you can learn like, you know, photography, videography, um, just being able to um, keep people interested and speak to them like they're a person and not a, you know, like a a customer, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then I think like, say, like the things that people don't think about is sales, you know, relationship building, um, being able to communicate effectively and like in a concise manner and tell people right away why they should work with you and why they should, you know, allocate part of the budget to your community rather than somebody else who might charge less than you. Mm-hmm. Um, so there wasn't a clear answer, but I think it's a lot of things. Like there's the business development part, but then also like the creative skills that you need, the soft skills. You know, it's, it's, uh, you, we also like kind of face a similar experience as like solo entrepreneurs before we decided to team up is, you know, whenever you're starting like a content business or you're building a service, there's so much like manpower you need to really take it to the level that you want to take it at. And one Mm. of the things it's like, we were actually talking about this about three weeks ago about getting an editor like, okay, we're like, okay, we really want to create high quality video and audio. Well, audio, like we can manage ourselves, but to really get the videos and edit them, that takes time. So if I, if I had to edit them myself, it takes, you know, a couple hours. Right. And then on top of that, you know, we work our nine to five grind and this is like what we do after. And this is something we're building for the future. So mm. we're trying to build this and we're using our own labor and then to produce it, it takes a long time. So mm-hmm. there's like this curve that you always are, are going with is okay, this speed and then this time, right? Mm-hmm. And delivery too. So like mm-hmm. all these different forces are at play. And I think everything, I think a lot of people in our position when they're starting out, they don't probably, they probably don't have money, but they probably just have the energy and the vision to see it through. But to really get that vision out, it's hard to get those people to come see you because an editor will be charging you per Mm. edit, right? Mm. So the quality one. The quality one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, quality one. I mean, you can like you can do things by yourself, but you know, how good are you? So then it's like speed. How fast can you do things to get better? So Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing we never speak about is like getting the right and then you can't pay them. So what do you do? And this is like where people procrastinate, I think into starting like a a blog or a YouTube channel. They might want to do it, but it's just like that desire to learn is there, but time to, to get there might not not be there enough to really get them to see it through. Yeah. So Uh, as um, a solo, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. So as a solo um, entrepreneur, how do you balance the time of getting the sales while creating content. That's something I struggle with. So, um, Honestly, I'm still figuring it out. Um, but okay, I know <laughs> the one thing that has helped me is yeah. um, just like doing it in batches. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I know that, you know what I mean? Like you're going to create content on these certain days. 
you're going to write on these certain days. And then on these other days, you're going to send emails. You're going to Mm -hmm. look up people. You're going to, you know, figure out ways to um, find new customers or, you know, keep your, the customers that you have happy. Um, So yeah, that's what I would say. Like creating a schedule for yourself where you have, it split but then also if you're creative you probably just come up with an idea in the middle of the night you're like oh you know we should do this yeah yeah. so batching is a very interesting concept you know um for anyone who doesn't know batching is like like she said is when you etch out a specific day or time to have a like a big load of things that you do and execute on so for instance it could be 12 hours of just emails or maybe not 12, like six hours of just straight emails. Um, the only thing I find with batching is that for emails, for instance, um, if you have clients and you re- they email you on Monday, but your batch day is Friday, how yeah. do you prioritize um, that email correctly and not look like you're um, being sloppy, you know? And even so, like, um, I know sometimes people will say uh, it's a standard that you set for um, that client, but a week of time for email is usually like almost like lackadaisical. Like a century. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Have you experienced that when it comes to batching? Uh, definitely. Especially because I get a lot of emails that were not like business related <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I became like a resource about food. People would be asking me like, where can oh, I get gotcha, gotcha. such and such yeah, spice? Yeah, yeah. Where mm-hmm. can I? So then it became a lot. And yeah. uh, now I'm just trying to like sort it out. And I have one email that I try to use, like just like for business inquiries. And then another one where like it's connected to my social media. So people can email me there. And I know it's, maybe not a business request More of but, a community okay yeah gotcha, but it's, it's not gotcha. perfect because i get like requests in my dms i've definitely i've i've pitched people successfully from getting their contacts in a dm so mm. i don't know i think if you're in the social media game you just got to be on and you just got to check it in the morning and maybe like have an hour for emails but i i do struggle with that too it it, mm. it does become sometimes overwhelming when you're like oh you know, I need to respond to this and but I need to do this. And, you know. and and the thing is, it like sits in your head too, because you be chilling and it could be like a fat message. And he's like, right, like I really got to respond. <laughs> and you might not have something. So, and you know what, and you've, and you've seen it too on DM. So yeah. they come back and they're like, yo, she's seen my message. She left like, me on scene? Left she left me on scene? Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh man, I've definitely done that. I feel it's- bad especially when you're getting bigger too, right? And you've got a lot of things on the go and it's not like you have an assistant who can send these messages out for you. It's like, you got to do it. You got to create the content and everything, which, you know, it's like, how do you manage that time? And then like, how do you juggle all these things at once and talking to people, creating the content, doing the business and, and, and kind of like writing solo in a way. I don't know. I'm still figuring out. I think, like I feel like what worked for me before was um like removing some of like the smaller products that were not bringing me the income that I wanted and focusing on like the big fish like the revenue generating activities exactly yeah and then Mm. like being like okay like the creative stuff I'm gonna do on this other day because I need money to pay for that you know so Mm. that helped me but 
uh, I do feel like it, it depends on what business you're in, you know. What were some of the revenue generating activities that you found were more valuable than others? Oh, definitely pitching bigger brands. Sorry, I'm like in a crickety um, computer chair that's like as old as I am. Um, but okay. no. I, I, um, and you're young. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, um, I've been emailing and like communicating with people that are bigger brands to get bigger deals. And then when it comes to small businesses doing things where I've developed packages and um, they have like, uh, like at least three months with me, you know, um, and like focusing on that so that I can like provide better value and I can focus on them rather than, you know, getting six people on board for a smaller thing. And I still offer that because people um, might not have the budget and I still want to showcase them and be able to support um, black owned businesses. But like, for example, with the tourism boards, I really enjoyed that because I was able to go and talk about all of the really cool um, local smaller black restaurants that I loved and talk with chefs, but I wasn't looking at them as a client. I was looking at the tourism board as a client. So I was basically paid to be creative and talk about the people who I support anyways, you know? So to answer your question, uh, basically I think it's like, how do I make money? It's, um, it's pitching brands and um, it's not chasing like the small things anymore. But I did, I did chase the small things before. So I learned from that mistake. What's a, what's a small thing? Um, you know, like offering ads, doing sales on things like at a, a rate that's not worth my time because I'm creating the content around it too, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, at the beginning I did uh, under, I didn't price my services at a rate that was comparable to what I was actually offering. So I'd spend a lot of time creating, I'd spend money on ingredients. I would, you know what I mean? Like I, I was spending all this time and they were benefiting, but I wasn't getting the same um, value back and I wasn't able to invest back in the business and better things to to grow black foodie because of that. So now I don't do that. You, you know? charge accordingly. I, exactly. I charge accordingly. Do you, um, do you feel like um, sometimes that you, are you in that position like where uh, you turn some brands away just because they're not really fit for the black foodie brand? Are there some businesses who've tried to, you know, leverage your brand to really get into the black space. But you know, when you're talking to them, you can really tell they're not really, there's no fit with what you're doing and what they're trying to do. Uh, yeah, for sure. That's happened a couple of times where, I mean, I remember, I can't even remember the name, but like, like a, some, like a bigger brand that did something in seafood, but like on their social media, they had a post that was not like to me, like was racially insensitive. And I thought, nah, no, thanks. I, I, I just wouldn't want to be associated with them or um, sometimes like, I mean, this isn't necessarily like a, a people who want to reach out to me to pay for anything, but like, you know, obviously like a lot of restaurants reach out, they want to get promoted, but like black foodie is not just like a, 
it's not an IG page where you pay for ads and you can put your restaurant up. If it's a, if it's a dope restaurant and they want like some sort of promotion, that's awesome. But I've been to places where I don't like it, the food or like they're, they're known not to be great. And I just mm -hmm. would rather not, um, I'll never bash it, but I personally won't put my take, stamp. Take on the business it. and, and, uh, and say, yeah, this is the, this is a hot spot right here. Come and eat it just because you're not yeah. being true to what you're doing for yourself to yourself and to your community. Exactly. Yeah. It's not worth it. If you do that, then people won't trust you. You know what I mean? They won't trust your page. I obviously like some of the things I share, I haven't been to cause it's not just my perspective only there's like contributors and there's people that, so I can't say like everything has gone through my like microscope or whatever, but I can say like the things that I do experience, I, I'm able to like really support the great places and some of the other ones just maybe offer some like tips on how to do better. Yeah. Everything is heavily vetted, essentially. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it, same thing with like recipes and products. Like, you don't want to you don't want to share something that doesn't make sense, you know. Uh -huh. um, like you're not going to see me like supporting e-cigarettes or something. Like you know, what I mean? like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't do that. I don't support that. You know that kind of stuff. Most definitely. Um, what were some of the lessons you learned from working with brands from when you started that you would never do now? Yeah. Uh, that they're going to lowball you, especially if you're, I think, I mean, let me rephrase this. I think people, you know, obviously everybody wants to get the best deal possible, but mm -hmm. I think because um, I have both a, a Canadian and American audience. Um, I would say that Canadian communicating my value to like Canadian brands has been more difficult because they do see me as niche, but I'm not niche. I'm in like mainstream media. I'm in the Toronto star. I'm on globe and mail. I'm on, you know, CTV. Like you're out here, out here. And they don't, and here, MPA, they don't see that. They don't yeah. see that. My audience isn't, um, my audience is black and white and Asian. Like the people that, are interested in these things come from um, a wide range of like backgrounds. Obviously I serve, you know, a black community, but people are interested in our food and our culture. And I love that. And yeah. I think that's been a challenge, like getting them on board and being able to communicate that it's, it's worth this amount and knowing sometimes I'm getting offered less than, you know, other people in my space. But, um, but I chopped that up to like learning. I got to learn how to, be a better um, negotiator and also to collaborate. Like I, I've made friends um, from like different cultural backgrounds in the food space and they've given me tips and they've given me, um, you know, opportunities. And I really appreciate that because you need to have allies, uh, you know? Mm. So that's something that I've learned. Like, although that what I'm doing is very proudly black, mm. um, people from many different communities can help. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. and appreciate it. Most definitely. Oh, and are you on mute? Yeah, uh, sorry. I just don't want to make noise or anything if I'm like cracking my fingers or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what is like one partner that you've partnered with that you thought like what like which was like your wow moment? Like wow, they reached out to me to partner with me, and 
you know, you did business business with them. And after you did business with them, you're like, damn, like, did I really just partner with that brand? Like, have you had that type of moment yet? Um, yeah, I think I'm every, every one of them. I'm always like happy. Like I get paid to do something I like, like, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I'm working with a, a small business right now. Um, they're not necessarily a big brand, but something I believe in. It's an Ethiopian brand. They bring the superfood grain from East Africa called Tef. And their business is called Brahan Tef. And I got to go into their their facility and see how they mill this grain. And this is like the grain that my, you know, literally my ancestors have been using. Like it's 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 a part of us. It's in our blood. And um, that was fun for me. Like it was awesome. I was like, wow, I can help another business you know, I can learn more about my East African identity and my food and I can share something I already love. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like a, it didn't fit or whatever. It was already something I was interested in and passionate about. So like, so those kind of moments are always exciting for me. Um, I, I got to, um, like recently I worked with the Jamaican tourism board mm -hmm. to talk about Patty Day. And I got to be on TV talking about Jamaican patties and go around the city and eat Jamaican patties. And I was like, this is lit. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. So those kind of moments are, are awesome for me because it's things that I would already do. You know, honestly, yeah. I would already do it. I already eat patties. <laughs> 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 no. So it, that, that part is fun for me when I, and, and, or sometimes like now, like I experiment with recipes and um, like I, I'm with my family now. I left um, Toronto to my hometown and seeing them like, like the dishes that I made, that's fun for me. I'm like, yeah, turn, you know, they're okay with my experiments. Like before mm -hmm. they just look at me like, Oh no, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah. Um, you know, now that you're talking about like, you know, you love what you do and you know, you, even if you were not getting paid to do it, you'll still do it. What was that moment like when you actually went all full time on your business? Because I feel like every entrepreneur, every creator dreams of that day of when it comes to say, you know, for example, like Al and I will like say, man, I can't wait till we're doing hustle over everything every single day. Like we're creating content, we're doing it. What was mm -hmm. that like for you? Like when you transitioned from, let's say your, your day job to really doing black foodie all day. And then when you wake up every day to do black foodie, like how's that experience like when you, when you do that, because you're one of the people that I know personally that does what they do on a full-time basis. And it, and I can see it in your face that you look happy doing it. And it's something that you, it doesn't probably feel like a job. So how's that moment like for you? And how's it like waking up every day doing what you'd love to do? Um, I'm not going to say it's all sunshine because <laughs> sometimes I have Definitely not. Work, but but yeah. I would say like, honestly, I felt, I feel like I had just started like in, literally like in February to feel like, wow, like I'm, these are partnerships I'm super excited about. I was like traveling. I, it was, it was, yo, last month was actually so great for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so that probably that was when I like woke up and thought, wow, this is a blessing. Like, thank God for this blessing because this is something I'd, you know, been dreaming to do and I'm doing it and I haven't reached my, you know, full potential yet, but it was, awesome to know that, you know, I, I listed a price and people paid it, you know, I, I had this vision and it came about like, you know, it, it happened. So those things are, are always exciting and fun, but like anything, 
March hit. <laughs> and like the world yeah. changed forever. So like life is unpredictable. And like I was telling <gasps> my sister, you know, I was like, I'm happy. I'm glad that I, I appreciated it in that moment. And now I'm going to appreciate things so much more after COVID, like so much more. Because right now restaurants are, you know, sorry, I'm getting on a tangent, but right now the hospitality is really suffering. And so that's like weighing on me because although that wasn't my like main, like that wasn't my stream of income, didn't really impact me that way. These are the people that I showcase. These are the things that make cities exciting to be in. And I know so many talented chefs. So I, that part is kind of like the hard part, knowing that, you know, the folks that you're coming up with that are building out their dreams, like life is unpredictable. Things like this can happen and you don't know what's next, you know, so you got to enjoy it while you're in the now. Yeah. Did you have things like lined up already pre-COVID for like a moment, like right now, like to reach out to restaurants and then, because a lot of people, they had like the whole calendar wiped out in an instant, like in one day, like that's canceled, that's canceled, that's canceled. Did you have things lined up already? And how did you pivot now that that those things are going on because of COVID? Yeah, like I was literally like going back and forth to go, I was supposed to be in Atlanta right now. Like Mm -hmm. that didn't happen. (laughs) Atlanta. Yeah, no Atlanta for me. I was really like, March was supposed to be my like uh, travel and like, have meetings with like brand managers you know like knock on people's doors go on LinkedIn that was Mm -hmm. my um plan for March and that changed but uh how I'm pivoting now is like the the great thing about black foodie is people are cooking like they are all going whether or not they identified as a foodie people are going back into the kitchen so this is a huge opportunity for me now to create more content and to showcase some of the talent so now black foodie is doing lunch and learns with different mm-hmm. experts like on IG live we're going to be hosting it's actually the first time I'm saying this but because <laughs> I didn't post it online yet but we're going to be hosting like black foodie like master chef essentially like black foodie battles um oh. online and having our own show why not you know with their videos Al, yes. <laughs> we're actually talking about this you know before you got on Al and I All were right. just that's actually yeah. big <laughs> we were talking like we were kind of pretending you're just, he's asking me like, if you're black foodie right now, what are some things that you would do to scale it? And we were just talking random ideas. If we were yeah. you, I mean, we can share those with you and you can. Oh, I'm, I'm down. Yeah. So I'll tell you my idea and then I'll tell you his. Mm-hmm. So what I, what I was thinking is uh, you can start like a subscription service where you actually teach an online class every week. So Every week you have like a live stream on playing. So you can say, tune into my live stream every single day, every single week. And then I will make like a specific dish and you can have like a particular chef and uh, they can actually take notes and you can have like the recipe, the the learning book and all these different things, all these learning materials that you can give them part of the class and Mm -hmm. uh, they pay the subscription. So when you said master chef, it, we just I, I looked over our screen I'm like man we were just talking about that uh, so that's one idea that I had is like you know even we mentioned a tv show you can do traveling all around mm-hmm. the world and mm-hmm. having like a Netflix type of series going on um, yeah uh, what, were you t- what, were you, what were you thinking 
What was I thinking? Um, all right. So I was thinking more. Firstly, I was thinking customer acquisition. So you see how I'm getting excited now. Um, hey, I was thinking, I the Facebook guy. Think, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was thinking, yeah, how are we going to get the customers first, right? So I was thinking of, first I've created like a small little ebook, a small little uh, cook, uh, recipes at home, you know, um, cooking on COVID, you know, um, mm-hmm. type of book where uh, first you get them in, whether it be through organic or paid Facebook, um, and you get the emails and you stack up an email list to maybe let's say, let's aim for 10K. And once you have that 10K, you have an audience, you have a minimal viable audience. Then you start marketing different things to them, whether it be merch, whether it be exclusive classes, live trainings, all that kind of stuff. And that would be like the, the core of it, you know? So that was that was my game plan, you know, of how we didn't get to get into it. Uh, but yeah, that was like my game plan to start off. Um, then I would start getting into like more collectible items, you know, for, uh, I would get a photographer and start taking pictures of different foodies uh, and different people in the kitchen, whether it be not just moms or like, chefs but like but yes moms sisters little girls in the kitchen stuff like that you know and had that as like um what do you coffee table book you know um, mm, like, yes mm, yes you know? um that. yeah and then have like a um a recipe book as well so so to follow up that would be like a line of recipe books or coffee table books you know focusing around being a black foodie boom second option netflix yeah. show you know or just a show in general where um uh, like almost like Russell's on the edge or it's like um black foodie on the on the globe where you're traveling to South Africa to Brazil to um Kenya this uh, you know getting different views of, of what a black foodie is and I feel like we you're now it's kind of your vision but when I was looking at your tourism board um video on YouTube I was like oh this is her vision she's she's gonna be the Anthony Bourdain she's gonna be the Ethiopian oh, Bourdain Edith we see where you're going we see the vision we see the vision Honestly, like, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, like, really appreciate it because these are all things, like, you guys are saying that I, like, they're on my, like... On your board? Vision board. Yeah, maybe folding inside your head. For real. And and, and some of these things have, like, I have had producers come to me. I have had people pitch me for things. And it didn't, you know, it it fell through. It didn't work out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think it was, like, I think maybe I wasn't ready. And I think right mm. now I've started to like build some of the skills. It's I've been, you know, several years in this game and I feel um, ready, you know? So mm. I, I'm hoping to like go back and pitch, pitch another book, the ebook. Thank you. I actually, um, I'm going to DM it to you guys. I, I just did like a Q and a with my audience and said, what would you be interested in? A digital course with all these different recipes, like an ebook, a digital cookbook, or just like a live webinar when it comes to East African cuisine, because I'm not a chef, but I have Mm. like, you know, expertise in Ethiopian food and I have like the masters in it and like my, Mm. my mother and my Mm. grandmother who've owned restaurants, who've been a part of spice markets, like have this like rich history. So Mm -hmm. I want to be like the, the ambassador to that content and everything and, and, and have their knowledge because they're the ones that have the knowledge, you know, Mm -hmm. the mothers and the grandmothers. So, um, but it, it is tricky because in this in this game, I'm sorry if I'm taking the 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 podcast on a sidetrack. But no, 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 no go ahead. This is what Honestly, we want. This is what Thank we you. want. This is yeah. Speak your Thank mind. You. It's like live consulting. Um, mm-hmm. well, in this this space, um, like there's a black foodie brand, and then there's my like personal eat in the foodie, which is, is is centered on a lot of like East African food and culture and travel, and mm-hmm. with with recipes and like videos and stuff 
so a lot of this stuff was readily available online. You know, it's it just for free. Mm -hmm. You know, people, people make money off their, their website traffic. Some people just do it for passion. Um, some people like work with brands, um, with East African or Ethiopian food in particular. Um, there is still like a gap because a lot of the content that does exist is in the language. Mm -hmm. So if you don't speak Amharic or Tigringa or more, some of the languages that are spoken in Ethiopia, you, you really can't like understand, understand fully, you know, what mm -hmm. they're doing. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm like, okay, you know, I think I can, I can create something new where um, the recipes and things are not necessarily new, but like the techniques and like the, the knowledge and the, the breakdown that I think would be new in this space um, coming from somebody who is younger and who can like translate it to, to non East Africans who are like, well, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. So that's what I'm trying to do. But it is, it is a little tricky when you're like, man, everybody's doing it for free. How do you, you know, um, mm -hmm. communicate Monetize value? It. Exactly. Exactly. Gosh, you got you. Oh, I think first you got to like, acquire the audience and deliver value. And like once you start yeah. delivering value, they'll be more inclined to pay. It's like that Starbucks Wi-Fi like mentality of, oh, you give me free Wi-Fi and me get, me get a cup, a cup coffee. of coffee. You know what I'm saying? That's it's a like, good it's point. Like you feel like you feel like yeah. you can't go in there and you buy something. I'm like, damn, I'm stealing resources. Yeah. Let me just buy like this $2 coffee. Now there's mm -hmm. millions of people with that mentality. It's just like, and that's how they keep getting you. Mm -hmm. that, that's very true. Like I personally... Um, there's a person, a YouTuber that I really like. I I subscribe to her Patreon. I pay Who is she? Shout her out. Shout her out. Who is she? Oh, uh, For Harriet. Her name is Kimberly, Four but Harriet. her, her uh, okay. page is called For Harriet. She went to Harvard. She's super woke. Like, wow. she, she so talks about, like, you know, just, like, pop culture and, like, issues related to Black women in a really fun, creative way. And, like, mm -hmm. all her videos are really well-researched. So... Mm. Yeah, like you, I just pay each month because I, I love her content. I'm like, yo, I want to listen to these special podcast episodes. I want to watch this YouTube video that's, that's a, uh, you know, under a paywall. And, uh, and also I want to support. Like, I'm like, I, I believe in her. So why not? This is like, just like five bucks a month. That's, that's you know, nothing. less than Netflix. Exactly. So maybe that could be something for you guys too. Once you've acquired like that, that audience of like supporters and they can pay into a Patreon and then you guys have the podcast sponsors and then you guys have the digital products and then you guys have the, the live like summit or something where people can like learn from you guys and the merch, everything. Yeah. Or live interviews. Vision. And, like, you know, yeah. yeah. It's like, we see each other's visions. Uh, I, oh yeah. I see it. I, I see it. And mm -hmm. I'm glad to reconnect with the co-host too, mm -hmm. Alex. Um, hey. It's been a minute, so I'm glad. I, I really remember that that meeting and being like, "Wow, it's so helpful." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's like, get what what management has a quote. You know, people don't people remember you for how you make them feel. You know, um, I can't. I'm butchering that. Uh, Say, I, people don't remember what you do; they remember how you made them feel. Right? Thank you, yeah. thank you. Oh, yeah. saved me. Yeah, um, and that that stuck with me. You know, even though I can't remember the thing verbatim, but. You know, leaving people with a good impression or just delivering a little bit of value, you know, you, you have to realize that you're a dope human being, you know, so even if you give a little bit of whatever, um, it'll come back to you and you're dope enough to create your own uh, money. Yeah, it, that's you know? true. That's true. Not look at it as like, 
definitely I feel a lot more free in this year because I don't look at everybody like competition or whatever. It's just like, oh, mm -hmm. you're doing well. That means there's more space for me to do well too. You know, like that's, mm. that's, um, that can be tough when, you know, especially in like the creative space when you think, oh, there's not enough resources. But once you think from an abundance mindset, then it happens. A scarcity you know? mindset. I was about to yeah. say that. It took us out of my mouth. I was about yeah. to say that. Looking at it from an abundance uh, mindset, 100%. Or the red ocean versus blue ocean mindset. It's all the same type of shit. Because you know? everyone it can is. eat. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm flipping it out to you again. No, no, ask us. It's a but, conversation. Um, <laughs> true. Um, so with COVID and the fact that you guys like interview entrepreneurs, people that are hustling in the space, what other tips? Like you already gave us this great tip on like now is the time for Facebook ads. But... Mm -hmm. What else would you suggest to people? Because folks are, you know, what I found is, you know, pe like people are out of work or they're losing contracts. Maybe they're holding on to their dollars closer. Um, you know, like what advice do you have to entrepreneurs in this time? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so firstly, it's definitely specific. It's 100% specific. If mm -hmm. I'm, you know, a plumber, uh, then you can still go run the, uh, just the same amount of ads as before and still convert because people are going to need plumbing no matter what, you know? Yeah. Um, if I have a business that's uh, based on discretionary income, um, like a publication, maybe it isn't the right time to have um, as much ads because it's not focused. Like for instance, if I'm a super niche Yu-Gi-Oh card um, company, then maybe it's not the right time to be focused on... Um, customer acquisition because that was going to be paying your cards or buying your cards now because it's not the right time you know um mm -hmm. i think that if you're more so based on the essentials that's needed right now like cooking you can really scale up quickly like if you're cooking if you're a fitness trainer or a personal trainer sorry um, then now's the time to go hard on home workouts because everyone's working out from home. So they're going to need to know what's what's happening or what's the best exercise for working from home, right? Um, mm -hmm. So there's opportunity based on what's the, the new lifestyle, you know? Um, so that's where you can come in and really deliver value because there's new necessities that's, need, that's needed. That's where I'd say the play in, right? In the necessities. Um, so right now for Black Foodie, you can give a ton of value in terms of what you can cook because everybody's, listen, everybody's maxed out when it comes, when it comes to what they can cook. But for me, yeah. I was literally like, making French toast like like without with banana bread, with bananas, trying to like refresh, <laughs> rejig my, yeah, my, my French toast recipe. Good. That's what no, I was even uh, doing. I was, I was putting like uh, cayenne pepper on mangoes just to like add that little savory Bro, mm. trust me. Okay. When you die, when you cut up the mangoes, right, bro? Like, and, yeah. and, and, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, the cayenne pepper in there, it gets this mixture of just like flavor. Isn't that like the Mexican style? Like, where they put like pepper and then they put. Oh, do they do that? I, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. know if it's cayenne or some other chili pepper or something, but yeah. It, it could be, right? Um, yeah. But I just stumbled upon it and it was just unbelievable. It, it, got, it gave me that yeah. sweetness and that savory. And it was just like a perfect match. That sounds mm -hmm. good. I'm actually yeah. about to whip some mango hot sauce like in the next two days. Yeah, um, mango hot sauce is bought. I can't lie. I love mango hot sauce. It's so good. And uh, yeah. In Windsor, there's no like pepper sauce at the store, so I have to make mm. it myself before I go back to Toronto. Um, but I, I love that advice. Thank you. 
Um, I, I think right now you're exactly right. It's time to provide value and then like thinking like what's like the free offer and then like what's the the step up the like that mm-hmm. the upsell exactly because yeah, yeah, you yeah. still need to create that environment for people to like come back and tune into your page mm-hmm. but yeah. i'm definitely like i don't know about you guys but i'm seeing like a surge in my social media um like people on the page more and like um just more impressions because of the fact that i think people are bored and they're on their phone longer and you know so you've got this Mm -hmm. like captive audience looking for content looking for tips Mm -hmm. looking for an escape you know really definitely yeah yeah um cooking for kids as well well for you specifically cooking for kids because people are gonna making three meals a day now for their kids since they're home you know Mm -hmm. there's so much value um in cooking for the whole family now i'm sorry i thought i thought i think you're gonna say something go ahead no 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 i was just gonna mention like um you know, biz- I, I know like we're still talking about like, I was just going to mention like with businesses and entrepreneurs, I think like mm-hmm. right now is such a great time to like mix empathy into your business. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually like, it's actually like a right time to shine on that front um, by using and like just being, you know, we're talking about being of value, but it's also like being of service in some type of way. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's like, we're all locked up. We're all in this position, like where we can't leave our houses, but like businesses like, you know, Canada Goose, they've like turned their whole production into something that they can create more uh, where for, you know, hospital uh, staff, right? Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Okay. Dope. Yeah. So a lot of businesses are like being of service now. So when this is all done, I'd say probably by like August, like things are going to be, people are going to remember, oh, like I remember that brand, that service, that they mm-hmm. did this, 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 and that. Because mm-hmm. right now everybody's looking for people to step up and mm-hmm. the people who are actually stepping up and being of service. And, you know, when you have service and you have empathy behind it, it's like you're already pro- providing value. Right. So it's I, like, mm-hmm. it's like not, right now is like the time to switch up your messaging around mm-hmm. your brand and like actually showing that empathy and like, Hey, we're here with you. That's to sound genuine and authentic to who you are and who your audience is. Yeah. And, uh, still actually, doing like the activities that you're doing every day but just switching up the messaging around it so yeah. you, you know like there's actually like ritual right you guys use ritual the app, oh yeah the app mm-hmm. right so um it's like the food you get the food order yeah like, yeah oh, i hate that app to be honest with you i hate that app but go ahead like can't believe they did <laughs> this right so yeah. covid was starting and they did this one thing like they sent out this email they're like Oh, you know, like now with COVID uh, here, you can use our app to really, you know, it's, it's never been a better time to use the ritual app to go and avoid the coronavirus by ordering us through here and going picking up and not interacting with people while waiting at the restaurant. Like they got <laughs> just lambasted all over social. They're like on Block TO. And then the thing is, instead of owning up and saying like, hey, we did something wrong, they said, oh, we had a mistake with our marketing team and uh, they were putting the blame on someone else. But like, just own up to it. So after that, I just kind of looked at them in a, in a I just kind of lost respect because I really loved using them. So that's an example of like, as a business, you're like, hey, you got to have empathy and you really got to switch your messaging to show that you care, right? Mm-hmm. And I just say, hey, use us because you will avoid coronavirus. Like, no, <laughs> like, because it's like a fear tactic you don't want to use fear in a time of fear yeah yeah Uh, uh, uh. yeah ouch i didn't even know that 
I there's so many I. COVID emails in my inbox. I just ignored them. Like, that's too yeah. many. I didn't realize how many companies had my email. I was like, Walmart? The CEO of Walmart's emailing me? What the hell? <laughs> what? What's going on? COVID, COVID, COVID. You know? Yeah. I feel you on that. Like, I definitely think they saved information they weren't supposed to save because I, I felt the same way. I was like, what? I never even used this. How? But maybe I took their Wi-Fi. I don't know. Like, you know, they collected mm-hmm. my information that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, but, it was um, definitely like a... I learned teachable moments like damn, I have so much information out there. God damn, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, um, let's let's uh, dial it back in. Oh, wait, did I answer your question by the way? Before we move on, did, did that? Yeah. Yeah, like you guys yeah. gave some solid points. I was actually writing like some notes. Um, mm. so I got my pen here, but awesome. Basically, like think about how you can provide value. How you're going to showcase empathy, like from an mm-hmm. authentic space, and yeah. um. And then be creative, like, and pivot to, like, create products that mm-hmm. are needed right now, like, or services, like what you were saying, like, folks are cooking for their, their families now, they're cooking for their kids, several meals now, like, what are they going to do? I saw mm-hmm. one person on, um, I'm kind of related, but I saw somebody on social media that I know, um, she packed a lunch for her daughter, like, as though she was going to school, she put it in her lunch pail or lunch bag, mm-hmm. and um, she told her like that's your lunch bag that's it that's your snack your sandwich and your juice that's so creative you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. there are things people are doing and i've also noticed people are using social media in completely new ways like they're putting themselves out there mm-hmm. you know there's no more like this picture perfect you know reality you mm-hmm. can't be posting travel and expecting make up soft you know? <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. makeup soft now. Yeah, you just gotta create now, like, and actually just yeah. actually be who you are on social. Yeah. If you're really putting stuff out, and like, it sounds like the perfect edit. You know, like it's kind of like I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of got away from that whole thing about having the perfect grid. Like when someone shows mm-hmm. up on your page and like it's all color coded, nice. I was like, you know, screw this. Like, you know, yeah. let's just yeah. put out stuff or stuff that I think um, it'll bring someone value and it's something I want to put out. I'm not trying to like, yeah, know, other people. Definitely. Um, one thing as well, I think we should mention is networking. You know, now is the time. A lot of chefs and bartenders, especially a lot of bartenders are going to be off. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's now the time to network with a lot of people um, and build like that, the logo up, you know, um, and you can feature all of these um, bartenders and um, chefs on your lives, on your um page and just like give them a voice so once the COVID's over because COVID's not lasting forever right so at least yeah. we, we pray to God now um so it's once it's over <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly exactly so once it's over you can hit the ground running with a whole a stronger network of people right mm. um I definitely say it's one thing to leverage as well yeah, yeah that's think- true I'm hosting I'm gonna hit you guys up when I have the final details but I'm hosting a an IG live enjoy and chill <laughs> event nice, that was like an event nice. I did in the hey. past. So I'm, I've been reaching out to different um, Ethiopian and Eritrean chefs who they're just really dope, like from different parts of the, you know, the North yeah. America. But like, uh-huh. I, I feel like now people are using social media for what it was intended for, which is creating community, not just like, yep. like I'm bragging or look at me, I'm mm-hmm. so fly or whatever. You know, now it's like, yeah. how am I gonna connect? 
Definitely. So. And then you can like you can like create a like yeah. a little like club with it if you like said like all right, so I'm partnering with Ethiopian restaurant and then whoever orders takeout from them gets like fifteen percent off using code black foodie, then we can all like eat it together in this one like little you know, a little, little family. It's like a yeah, you know, you can do it on house party or on convos, you know. Yeah, on House Party or Instagram Live, and all just like enjoy specific parts of it, you know, have it as like a little, you know. Yo, bro, you I know, didn't you, consider you, you that. I, I was thinking products. I didn't think consider like just even shouting out like East African restaurants that are still offering takeout. Because I, I did do a post and like there was over 200 responses of people. I saw that. Sharing yeah, stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I, but I didn't think about like you know the different niches. That's a great idea. You guys are just like eat, consulting eat here. There needs to be. I could see this like as a service if you guys are interested. I don't know how much of this is going to make the podcast, but if you guys did like, you know, um, basically joint like consulting calls, you know, like mm. offering it like office mm. hours with the hustle Ooh. crew. Oh Ooh. yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. And then That's you just cool. like brainstorm. You know, you guys, they they have to fill out some like maybe a, a questionnaire beforehand. Tell them, tell you what their problems are and whatever. When it, mm-hmm. and it, in the space that you guys have mastered, which is like digital marketing. And then boom, you guys go back and forth. Cause you know, what you guys are offering right now is so valuable. So I appreciate it. So, you know, people will pay for that. I actually have one more idea for you. As we're even talking, I know yes. Zoom, you can have hundreds of people online. So you can be a host of a show and instead of doing an IG live, people already on their computers using Zoom conference because they got to use it for work. So imagine yes. you have that in Jared and chill and you as a host and you can ask people to send you questions. And as y'all munching on in Jira, you're, you're, you're giving them feedback and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can have co-hosts on it and everyone can like, it's like a collaborative thing. Alcohol, alcohol sponsors, you know, because alcohol, alcohol is sponsor, an essential you know? service. Right? You know? Yeah. You know yeah. what? I like that of doing like a, because I did think like, okay, if this in Jira and Chill is successful, then I'll do... Cause I've had other events like doubles wrist patties or jello fours or whatever, like do those ones and maybe do it yeah. regularly. Mm-hmm. But, um, I didn't think about making it like a series, like basically like tune in each week, a different chef or a different mm-hmm. person, like, mm-hmm. um, on zoom. Yeah. Then I can collect more emails. Boom. Yeah. And also it's know. more, it's more, um, live can be acting funny like zoom. They've already, they already know how to work it out. Like I, I've had IG live where, you yeah, know, like IG like, Live is so finicky. You're, you'll be yeah. talking, it's like, uh, yeah, exactly. You're probably, like, yeah, you know. exactly. definitely. Yeah. No, but Zoom, Zoom is reliable. Like, I, for us, it hasn't, we haven't given, and you can just save everything to the cloud. So, for like a mm-hmm. video like this, I'm not saving on my computer. Like, we pay 20 bucks a month for Zoom just so we can talk for like an endless amount of minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's worth it, especially if you're building your community up and, you know, you can also, you can make that back easily easily yeah no it is worth it oh my gosh yeah have you guys tried hangout uh i used to hang out i like hang out but it's just i don't know that uh, maybe it's more me? personal like for friends rather yeah. than like yeah yeah it's a little bit more friend friend related um i found that there's a lot of errors happening with hangouts as well yeah mm. that's the only thing yeah zoom i feel like there's less errors the other one that's good is teams as well but like teams is a lot is like way more professional you know? Okay. Um, I didn't even hear of that one. So you guys are putting my, me on. Okay. Yeah, Microsoft Teams, you know, is pretty good. Um, you can add people. It's a little bit more secure too. That's what I use professionally. And um, you can blur out the background as well, which is kind of cool. Mm. 
Well, yeah. snap, I wish I had that option. <laughs> no, <exactly. laughs> I can make it look like all professional. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think those ones like are, are, are some key ideas there for, for Black Foodie. Yeah. How do you feel? You feel like it gave you some value? Yo, you guys give me tons of value. And also you reminded me of like why... Because, you know, sometimes there's, like, a lot of boring tasks like, that you just have to do mm -hmm. for your business. You remind mm -hmm. me why I'm doing it. <laughs> so it was yeah. really great to be on board and, like, with, you know, young, bright folks who are killing the, in the game. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Hopefully I'll see you guys next time I'm in Toronto after this COVID stuff. And, yeah. and also, message everybody, stay inside, stay healthy. Stay inside. <laughs> we don't like the donuts. Yeah. Real. Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. So, I want to so, see all my homies when I get back healthy. You, you want to see everyone healthy? Healthy. Yeah. Healthy. Yes, indeed. So, yes, indeed. Yeah, Eden, thank you for coming on. Like, we really appreciate you, uh, you know, making some time with, uh, for us today and just, you know, chatting up about business and your come up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're really thankful for you doing this. I've been wanting to do this for a while and, um, you know, now's the opportunity because I know you're very busy. So mm -hmm. uh, this is a blessing. Thank you. No, I've got mm -hmm. time. It's COVID time. But like, you know, when you're, digital, like, when you're a, a solopreneur or whatever, and you use like online services, it doesn't always feel that different. Like you're already behind your laptop, but it's mm -hmm. nice to connect yeah. with other people because then you're like, oh, okay, I'm human again. <laughs> it's mm. not just a screen. So um, thank you so much. I'm definitely going to subscribe now the podcast i don't know how i didn't already subscribe is it yeah, available on apple everything spotify everything, everything yeah Play. pockets uh like all the different apps you can get podcasts on it's it's available anywhere uh that you listen to our exactly amazing uh, yo al do you want to do uh the shout out to hustler nation today like this is a give you a personal take coming in at the end of the pod sure you know why not um it's for the hustle nation um, right now is the time to dive deep. You know, um, you heard it from us before. Now it's time to network. Now it's time to um, dive into your work, connect with people, deliver value, and really build a community for your audience. You know, no matter what product you have, you still have an audience that you need to service. So now's the time to do it. You always have the tools. Now it's time to apply it. Hustle Nation, you can do it. If y'all just need anything, feel free to shoot us an email or DM. We're we're open, and let's chat. You know, we're here for you, and you can do it. Peace. For sure, this is hustle over everything. Ono Cinde here, Mr. Hustle Muscle, uh, with my co-host Alexander uh, Whitfield. Yes, indeed. And uh, you know, having the lovely Eden Hagos here from Black Foodie. This has been a great episode, and. Uh, Tune in every week for a brand new episode. We're going to have you, you know, loving the entrepreneur stories and giving you value every single way we can. This mm -hmm. is Ono Sinde. Al has to say something. Yeah. Yes. Housekeeping items. You always got to get it out. Of you know, course. follow us on Instagram at 247Hustler. <laughs> Our email list, uh, everything. Um, remember, hustleovereverything.co. Mm -hmm. Hit that in the link. Subscribe to our email list. It's going to be great. Make sure you follow Eden. Eden, what, what's your Instagrams, hashtags, emails, everything? Yeah, drop oh, awesome. Um, you guys can follow me at, at blackfoodie.co. 
that's also the website blackfoodie.co or um my personal page at eating the foodie for more you know food fun also i'm i like to joke you know i like funny things so you might see some funny tiktoks on there but <laughs> yeah you can you can hit me up at uh, blackfoodie.co and if you have an email like you want to send or a question it's eden at blackfoodie.co yeah sounds well, great Oh, right. did I get everything? Did I get all the, yeah, all the we, husky panels? We, we, we did. We did, definitely. Definitely did. All right, cool. All right. Cheers, all right. guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Have a good night, you guys. I'm going to pray for you guys to stay healthy, and I'm, I look forward to seeing you guys. inside. <laughs> yeah. Take care. I will. Peace. All right. Peace. Cheers, guys.